What about Janie Slater? You think it makes a difference to her? Janie. Your ex-girlfriend? She was a physicist, too. You saw each other for 11 years. Doug, one question at a time. She has cancer as well. Doctors have given her six months. Isn't that right, Miss Slater? Welcome to the Vigilant Minority. This is a Carefree Black Nerd Review podcast covering the 1986 comic book series Watchmen. I'm your host, Rain Coleman, and this is the Vigilant Minority, Chapter 4, Watchmaker. All right, y'all, so when you're listening to the show, as every show and every show in this series, go ahead and live tweet and comment using that hashtag TVMPod. Or Vigilant Minority Pod. This podcast is available on your favorite podcast listening apps. So, be sure to leave a five-star rating, reading, rating, and a review. This helps the podcast to show up in the Apple Podcast algorithm as well as the other podcasting platforms. Uh, check the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Player FM, FM Player. <laughs> but make sure to use those hashtags. TVM Pod when you're listening to the show. Uh, handle on Twitter is Carefree Blurred. All other social media is Carefree Black Nerd. And email carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. All right, y'all. Let's get into chapter four Watchmaker. Now, this was released on November of two, 2086. Lord. November of 1986. <laughs> the creative team, you know, we got our faves, our, our, our reoccurrings. Writer Alan Moore. Illustrator, letterer, Dave Gibbons, colorist, John Higgins. All right, now this chapter covers some key events and turning points in John Osterman's, a.k.a. Dr. Manhattan's life. With this, guys, I want to give rave reviews because this was a lot to go through. This story was not told chronologically. There was a bunch of stuff going on, but we did ultimately get to the end result, the kind of the same way and we'll discuss that as we go now in the wake of the bombing of hiroshima osterman's father who was a watchmaker pushed his son to give up his career in watchmaking and become a scientist this was like a very aggressive thing that he did like immediately on some opening pages it was like ah look nah fam you have to get rid of that 
bull watchmaking and going to science, which is such a such an interesting idea. Like to back then to be able to say, okay, we'll just throw this entire trade away and then go into something else. It didn't seem like it should. Well, maybe it should have been that easy. I don't know. I don't know. But nowadays, when you're into something, you can you can pivot and you can switch. But the change, the way that they presented it, seemed to be so like instant. Like, okay, let's throw these clocks out the window, and here's a science book. Uh, so yeah, so that's what he does. He gives up that career of watchmaking, and he becomes a scientist. Now John attends Princeton. And back in 1959, he becomes employed by a research lab in Gilia Flats, Gilia Flats, Arizona. Now, when he's there, he meets and falls in love with a lab worker by the name of Janie Slater. Now, later on in the story, at a carnival, uh, Janie drops her watch and this, and they emphasize fat man, steps on it and breaks it. John fixes the watch. But he forgets the watch in his lab coat. Now, this is while they're on lunch. She's like, oh, did you fix my watch? He's like, yeah, of course I did, baby. Blue face, baby. And so he says, oh, I forgot it in my lab coat. I'll go get it. So when he goes to retrieve his lab coat, it's in a test vault, which is so odd that you would leave a coat in the vault. But yeah, so he gets accidentally locked inside. Now, when this happens, it's like a... Uh, like some security measures. Like this is something that can't be easily undone. Like once that door is locked, that's just what it is. It's locked. It's like time sensitive. And uh, we get into the, the details of that throughout the telling of this story, which again is not told chronologically. It's just, you know, a year here, a year there, a moment here, a moment there. But John seems to exist in all moments, which is ah, very interesting. So he gets locked in. And when the rest of the scientists return from their lunch break, they see that he's stuck. Now he's like, okay, let me out, whatever. But everyone is like terrified, stressed, uh, worried, because of course we know that it's an automatically time locked and it has generators that have already started warming up. The reason being this contraption, uh, I don't know, space, was used for testing. It's from like extracting atoms and particles and whatever else, sciencey stuff. Uh, that's why I went through the extra step of putting in these additional measures to make sure that it would lock and nothing would seep out. Nobody could get in. John silly ass and went and locked himself inside, but whatever. So they're like, man, we can't get you out. So he can feel the machine warming up, the air around him getting thicker. Now he's pretty much waiting to die at this point. So, uh, and this was such a, uh, I've seen comic book deaths before and I've seen them laid out on panel, but this was like, ah, this, cause you get so many heroes that get like superpowers from, oh, I've struck by lightning or I touched a magic rock or whatever. This was horrifying. <laughs> like this was terrible. So he gets disintegrated quickly. Now my understanding is that it happened in a matter of seconds. There was a flash of light and he was gone. Now, a month or so later, different quote-unquote ghosts of John start to appear throughout this research facility. Now, first, a circulatory system, just the brain, the eyes, and the nerves, started walking around and kind of disappearing. Then, a little bit after that, there was a muscled skeleton, which had the skeleton with the nerves and the brain and all that, but with the skin kind of grafting over it. And then that started disappearing. 
And then finally, while they, I'm assuming, were at lunch again, John reassembled as a full, complete being. He had blue skin and superhuman abilities, which this is an interesting um, kind of origin story, and I do like this. I'm sure there are others similar to it, but again, when you have someone who just gets struck by lightning or born in Amazon or genetically altered or just have the dominant or, excuse me, um, recessive genes or dormant genes, rather, that allows you to have these superpowers this was this was good i did like i liked the way the story was told i liked the pacing the artwork was phenomenal of course and the colors were good as well like all in all i like this book i like what i'm reading so far um so yeah so even though john retains his memories he does become distant and apathetic to those around him um he argues frequently with Janie, but he pretends to still love her um, in addition to his new purely scientific outlook, he now has the power to telekinetically assemble and deassemble objects. And this is uh, going to be useful going forward because the government's like, hey, you are a walking weapon. Why not you be our American walking weapon? So, uh, yeah, so he can do all that. He can also teleport and he can grow and shrink himself, and he can duplicate himself, and a lot more things. And a lot of times you get characters who have this unlimited reach of power, and it's like, okay, let's you do whatever the plot calls for. But I do like John. I like Dr. Manhattan. It seems like everything he's doing is in, is was intentionally written. It wasn't, oh, we got to get out of this jam, so let's make him also be able to, I don't know, electrocute people. But... Again, I'm only on the fourth chapter, so it, it remains to be seen, but I did enjoy this. Now, let's see. We'll see what else. So, he is, of course, recruited by the United States military. They rename him Dr. Manhattan, and they dub him the first, quote-unquote, real superhero, which is like a slap in the face to the motherfuckers who have been running around vigilanteing it up, saving, you know, neighborhoods in the world, but whatever. Now... Although he is the U.S. government's ultimate weapon, he is unable and unwilling to prevent certain disasters, such as the assassination of John Kennedy. Um, now, this is the thing that gets me, and I know y'all already knew it's coming to this. There is a scene where uh, Janie gets upset because she's like, well, if you knew John was going to die, John F. Kennedy, why wouldn't you save him? He's like, man, you know, I can't be rearranging stuff in the world. But not once did slavery come up, right? <laughs> If you were going to actually stop some things from occurring, go back and stop slavery. Like, what is going on? I'm like, what is happening? I guess that's just, you see where my head is if I had these powers. But it's so, uh, whatever. It, it still was a decent enough read. But I'm like, nigga, out of all the shit going on, you, there's other things you could have done. And stopping slavery should have been one of them. But. Whatever. So he's like, man, look, I ain't doing that. <laughs> but with his new power and his new scientific focused brain, he's able to bring more futuristic things into his time, like electric cards um, and other stuff and like airships that are like better to fly or something like that. But pretty much he is he is of the future, but he is of the future in the sense that he's always existing. He's not of the future like he traveled to the future. He just exists simultaneously in all of these spaces. So he can recall actions and times and smells and taste and touch from any moment that he's existed 
So, again, it's not like he just went to the future, got some technology, and brought it back. So, I do enjoy that that aspect of him. And I like this storytelling, man. Chapter 4, we in the door. So, <laughs> so in 1966, John leaves Janie for a 16-year-old Lori. Creepy as the fuck. And I like that... Uh, Lori is like, yeah, this is fucking weird. She's a child. What the hell are you doing? And she calls him out on that shit like a bunch of times, but it doesn't change that it. it's still it's in the story. So very odd. Um, yeah, so he becomes the savior of Vietnam, and he's whooping ass and taking names, and he is allowed to remain an active superhero. Vigilantism has been outlawed by pretty much every goddamn body, so nobody can be a vigilante. But of course, he can because he's at the beck and call of the U.S. government, and so it technically isn't vigilantism because he's sanctioned by the government. But at the same time, we know what it is. We know what time it is. Now, the other sanctioned hero is none other than the comedian, who has also been drafted for the government work. Who Dr. Manhattan has. Um, explain him as being like understanding of the world in all of the worst ways. Like he is reveling in this murder over in Vietnam. It's just, man, he was, he was, a, he was a piece of work. I'll say that. So Dr. Manhattan also recalls Lori leaving him. Uh, he creates a giant glass structure made from the pink sand of Mars. Now this structure rises from the soil. He then stands on the balcony to ponder a meteorite shower. So remember in the last episode, we were talking about some, some things that are heading towards uh, United States that could wipe out the East Coast and whatnot. So you have these meteor showers that are coming. And I'm thinking like, man, are you that apathetic that you just don't give a damn? Like he could easily destroy all of those before they hit Earth. But then it's like you won't even save you know, Kennedy, which is, you know, cool, good, don't do that, but he's showing that he's more scientifically focused, but then in the last chapter, he got so frustrated and stressed at the uh, the talk show that we're even in this position right now because of that, so it's like, man, what, what, what is going on with you, like, who, you don't give a fuck about nobody. You're doing whatever you want to do. It's not always malicious, but some of the stuff comes off poorly. And you just, whatever, a human life, same molecules as the dead human, whatever. But then you find out that Janie has cancer and it's probably from you and you're losing your mind. Where does this emotion come from? Now it's like, what is the gauge? Do you have the emotion or do you not? That's kind of a bit frustrating because I don't, I'm hoping that it all pays off in the end, but I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, what is this? What, how do we understand what's going on with you? You, you can't have it both ways. So I don't know. Um, yeah. So now this ending, this was an ending. Um, this entire chapter was very interesting. What I really enjoyed about it is that I like how Alan Moore and his team crafted a very careful story. So you have the sense that they wrote down all these events. Like you did a brainstorm. You got a blueprint of how the book should read chronologically. But they've taken and mixed up all of those dates and told everything out of order, which I think helped to further drive home that point of John being and a being that exists within all these different spaces. I did like that. Um, I think I walked away from this with the intended information 
um, the same way, if not better, like with a better understanding than if the story had have been told linearly. Like I feel like because they've jumped around, some things are sticking in my head. And when I go back and remember this story, I'd say a month from now or, you know, a year from now, this may, I mean, it remains to be seen, but maybe I retain more because I'm having to work at kind of connecting the dots to myself as opposed to the story just being given to me. So that's that. So all in all, man, this was an amazing chapter. Um, I cannot wait to see what chapter five got in store for the world of Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you guys feel about this chapter in Watchmen? For those of you who have read the story, you already know what's going on. Please, no spoilers. But let me know, you know, what are, are, are there things to come that I'm maybe not aware of that you're like, man, just wait till you get to chapter seven or something. Let me know. Um, do you feel like this prepared you a bit more for the HBO show, the Sunday, October 20th, 2019 Watchmen? Um, if so, or even if not, let me know. Use that hashtag TVMPod. Uh, this is, of course, the official hashtag of the Carefree Black Nerd Review Show covering Watchmen. Uh, that being said, hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred, all other social media, Carefree Black Nerd. Email me if you so choose at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Uh, check out all the links and stuff. Check out the show notes and all that good mess. And guys, until next time, I want you to stay carefree, stay nerdy. Stay geeky and stay the hell off of Mars. That pink sand, that glass, all that stuff, man. Some of that, that just didn't seem right, you know.